Welcome back, my spooky friends. This is Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. I'm your host, Chappie. I've got an exciting episode ready for us today. I'm going to be reading stories about the Fae, um, their origins, uh, why are they scary or spooky. Um, Then I'm going to actually be getting into some other ghost stories and some Ouija board accounts. So buckle up, it's going to be a spooky episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, jumping right in, I wanted to kind of start with what is the Fae or what is a fairy? Um, they have many names uh, depending on the origin and place, um, you know, from the wee ones to the small people to the Fae to fairy, spelled like three different ways. <laughs> the Encyclopedia Brigham. Britannica defines fairy as a mythical being of folklore and romance, usually having magic powers and dwelling on earth in close relationship with humans and nature. Different people in different countries have their own names and beliefs about them. Some people believe fairies are fallen angels, too bad for heaven, but too good for hell. Wherever these fallen angels landed was the type of fairy they would become, i.e. if they fell in water, they became a water fairy, into the woods, a wood nymph, etc. Some people believed them to be spirits of unbaptized children, and so having no souls simply perished at death. They can be more than mortal size or only a few, few inches high, and can assume any appearance they like, particularly that of a deer or falcon or flower. There are tales of them kidnapping babies and leaving changelings in their place, or carrying off adults into fairyland. If these adults ate or drank anything there, they could never return to this plane. It is believed that the race of fairy could roughly be divided into two groups. The peasantry and the aristocracy. Aristocracy. The peasantry are the solitary fairies, descendants of the spirits who at the beginning of time ensouled all of nature. They are the guardians of the tree and the field, the mountain streams and the forest pool. The aristocracy are known as the trooping fairies and are believed to be descended from ancient vanquished gods. They are thought to dwell in kingdoms underground or in the deepest seas. The name fairy perhaps derived from the fates, the three spirits, Clotho, Lachesis, and Achpas, which preside over the destiny of every individual, or a combination of Gaelic words fae or friend or eerie or green, hence green friend, 
first appeared around the Middle Ages, but these beings in various forms appear from the genie of Arabic mythology to the nymphs of the Greeks. And in many indigenous cultures, the following are some of the many kinds of fairies that generations of oral and written tradition have passed down through the ages. All right. The Ezraeus. These are small, delicate female fairies. If they are exposed to sunlight or captured, they will melt away into a pool of water. A banshee, or it's a bean scythe in Irish folklore. Um, bean nigh to the Scottish. This is a female spirit fairy attached to certain families. It is said that when a member death approaches the family will hear the banshee crying there's one called bogles these are generally evil natured goblins although they are more disposed to do harm to liars and murderers right brownies in english and scottish folklore a small industrious fairy who inhabits houses and barns rarely seen he would be heard at night cleaning or doing housework Cream or bread and milk were often left as gifts for him. Um, there's one named Dun Might, the good people. They are the fairies of contemporary Irish folklore. Dwarves. These are the stocky, short, and powerful creatures. They mature at three years old and are gray and bearded at the age of seven. It is said they cannot appear in the light of day or they will turn into stone. However, there are potions and spells that empower them to endure sunlight. There's the dryads. These are the happy, playful wood nymphs that dwell in the trees. Some say their favorites are the willow trees. Others say they prefer oaks. The druids are believed to have turned to them for inspiration. Elves, another name by which trooping fairies are known. They can be divided into the Scottish Seelie and unseely courts. They were believed by some to cause disease in cattle and humans and to sit upon the chest of a sleeper, giving them bad dreams. Uh, Fjorn, a type of diminutive fairy in the folklore of England, is also the collective word for fairy who are usually friendly towards mankind, or at least neutral. They are depicted as small creatures with a green skin and wearing red hats. They enjoy singing and dancing. The Ferdurig, pronounced Fear-ding. Okay. These fairies delight in rather gruesome form of pranks, so it might be best to leave them alone. They can assume any visage they wish. The Fire Fairies, there are two types of Fire Fairies, Flame Spirits and Elementals. They have the ability to create and destroy. Garden fairies. You will find these fairies among the flowers, dancing and playing, wearing flowery, flowing gowns with transparent wings. At dawn, they pour out blessings upon the world. Gnomes. These are earth elementals and elderly who live to be about 100 years old. And elderly people who live to be about 1,000 years old, my bad and believed to be the healers of the fairy world. They live underground and guard the treasures of the earth. 
Gnomes are wonderful metal workers and have a weakness for gemstones and things that glitter. Goblins, this is the name for the uglier species of fairies. They are small and malicious and usually band together if they have lost their abilities to operate independently. They can appear as animals and are usually controlled by the mage, by a mage for evil doings. Um, this one is Gwath Anun. These are Welsh water fairies who occasionally take human men for husbands. There's Gwilion. These are Scottish fairies. They're most seen as hairy men or hideous female spirits who waylay mislead travelers by night on the mountain roads. Right. Hemadrid. These are wood nymphs. Each tree has its own wood nymph who dies when the tree dies. And then the list just, you know, goes on and on and on. <laughs> Everything from Seely to, you know, goblins to just all kinds of all kinds of names for the fairy folk. All right, so I I feel like that's a good introduction for you guys. I won't go through. There's like thirty more names and explanations for them. What I want to do is get into some stories about the fae. See what other people have come up with and what they are saying all right take a short break and get right into our first story all right welcome back i'll get right into our next story it's a list of fairies um from around the world and Little two-sentence, three-sentence descriptions of them. Number one, this is like a, what are the Fae? <clears throat> All right. The first one is, they're babies back from the grave. That's creepy. The Utbirds are fairies that are believed to be revived spirits of babies who pass during harsh winters. They tend to haunt anyone who hangs around the sites of their demise. Misery is their mission. Udbirds are even known to transform into large, terrifying owls that prey on night travelers. Ooh, creepy. <coughs> they claw you to pieces. Typically illustrated as a haggard old red caps are said to be armed with razor-sharp teeth and claws, which they use to eat humans and fairies alike. Their name hints at their vicious nature. Redcaps mop up their target's blood with their caps after they commit a slaying. Ooh, creepy. Number three, they slay children. Bon Fion fairies are known as drowning fairies. They're said to pull children to their underwater doom. If you're searching for a Bon Fion fairy, you're advised to look around dark waters where drownings have occurred. These creatures were likely devised by parents looking to keep their kids from playing in the water, but that doesn't make them any less creepy. <clears throat> Their screams mean doom. The Banshee, also known as Woman Fairy, 
originated in Ireland and is said to be the most active at night before passing. In some folklore, she even comes to the door of those who are expected to pass. She looks like a full-sized human female, and though her appearance varies by region, her hair is always stringy and she always wears a white gown or shroud. She frequently appears covered in moss as well. The banshee is recognized by her loud mourning wails, which are said to be a harbinger of someone's demise. And I know it's probably not pronounced banshee. It's probably like Von or something. Um, this one says they get excited by death. Vericus gather outside the homes of dying people while happily chattering to each other. These 18-inch tall harbingers of doom are instantly recognizable, thanks to their vivid red color and blood-stained teeth. According to folklore, they can be appeased, but it isn't easy. Vericus require a shrine filled with daily burned offerings of flowers and spices to leave you alone. <clears throat> they eat humans. Fairies aren't just menaces to humans. They can be a threat to their own kind, too. Consider Kelpies, a kind of human-eating fae. Small, ugly, and bulbous, Kelpies are known for their foul tempers. They were once said to crop up everywhere in Scottish lochs and the North Sea, but fell into decline thanks to their appetite for other fairies. But Kelpies don't discriminate when it comes to slaying. They love to eat deer that wander too near to the lochs, and they are able to shapeshift to lure in human prey. There are even folktales about Kelpies who take the appearance of seahorses, luring young maidens who then they then submerge and devour. Creepy. <clears throat> According to Irish folklore, the slough are fairies thought to be the souls of evil people. These fairies travel in a swarm at night, often appearing like blackbirds. They, their preferred prey are dying people who have been who have yet to be given their last rites. Some stories, however, say that you can call them by feeling deep sadness or simply by saying their name. Once the slough have you in their sights, the only way to be rid of them is to offer another person in your place. But they're easy to spot in their humanoid form. They look like malnourished people with leathery wings. Creepy. They lure you in with bait. According to Filipino folklore, Bar Baroka is highly dangerous fae that inhabit rivers and swamps. They are said to prey upon fishermen by ingesting large volumes of water, thereby bringing up fish. Once the fishers make their way to the specific spot, the Baroka regurgitates the water to capsize the boats. Ultimately, the helpless fishers are dragged underwater and eaten. They take babies. Bindith, a clan of Welsh fairies, are notorious baby nappers. They nab human babies and replace them with their own deformed offspring, known as crimbles. Sometimes, the bendith will return the baby after teaching it about music. But more often than not, parents require the assistance of a witch to get their child back. When they aren't taking children, the bendith get their kicks riding horses and tangling up their manes. 
Their ugliness can end you. A threatening but solitary creature, the Falcon, <laughs> the Falcon Fairy, lives in the Highland Mountains. The Falcon's brooding nature is due to its appearance, as it has only one of everything: one ear, one arm, one leg, one toe, one eye. All of these features are centered directly down the middle of its body, but it's both hairy and feathery. These creatures are said to be so hideous that the mere sight of them can stop a person's heart. The falcon is sensitive about not having wings or the gift of flight, so it waves a spiked club at all living things that cross its path. They get you lost. Mischievous will-o'-wisps haunt marshy grounds and love playing practical jokes. However, their jokes consist of leading travelers astray with their flickering lights sometimes leading people straight to their doom in the bogs. It is believed that steering clear of the Willowist footpath is the best way to avoid them, although they are known to sometimes help people who are kind to them and offer them money. They wreck ships. The blue men of mink, or sea kelpies, prey on sailors. They sport green beards and hair and are pretty buff. Some say these creatures live in caves underwater, and they can control the weather and the seas. If you ever plan on sailing the high seas, make sure that you have what it takes to defeat sea kelpies. According to folklore, captains have escaped disaster on the water simply with their sharp tongues. However, the blue men of mink can only be beaten in rhyming duels. All right, they seduce you, then punish you. Huldufolk, <laughs> the Huldufolk, are Icelandic fairies that are somewhat neutral. Some people believe them to be beneficial, and they build tiny wooden homes for the fairies to live in. Huldufolk are typically malicious, but they do have a strict moral code. These human-like creatures are known to attempt to seduce people. Those who resist are rewarded, Those, while anyone who surrenders is punished. They run around without clothes. The Kalakanzori fairies are always without clothes. While that might make you uncomfortable, the creep factor comes in with their feet. They're usually shaped like those of different animals. These fairies tend to ride around on chickens and are blind, so they're typically found in groups. Sometimes they even recruit outcast fairies to be their guides. And they are hideous. Brownies are typically guard guardian fairies who do chores and help around the house. While that may sound sweet and endearing, folklore says that they are hideous to look at. In some regions of Scotland, there's no separate separated toes or fingers. In other areas, they have a hole in their face while where their nose should be. Oh, goodness. Okay. Those are short little things about them. Uh, we'll take a short break and get on to our real encounters. All right. Welcome back. Jumping right in, um, this one realfairies.net story that was submitted says, 
I guess I'm a lucky woman to have been blessed and welcomed so readily by the fairies, or it seems so in my eyes. I've been very spiritual since the age around 21. For a while, I began to believe I was schizophrenic, but I was just hearing things. I was seeing and seeing. For those who know about spirits, they'll know what I mean by seeing. I'd been working closely at developing a relationship with a spirit guide that a woman had mentioned I had around me. The guide was not a fairy at all. He was very loving and protective. So as I formed communications with him, it seems as though I opened a floodgate into another world. It, it had been feeling like a new friend or sometimes foe uh, was breezing in and out. And I was so new to all of this, I relied heavily on a pendulum and meditation. At first, I hardly believed any of it. However, one evening, a small male spirit, I believe him to be a fairy, entered my home and was making a lot of contact with me. At first, he was hard to handle. He would hide things and insist on having me clean when I was exhausted. Once I cleaned up, though, my items would return a few hours later. He wasn't bad at all. In fact, he was being very pushy to keep me organized and to become a better person. I used to have a horrible habit of telling little lies to my parents to keep them from nagging me. This stopped quickly because the fairy who was consistently scolding me. He gave me his name. Out of respect for him, his name will be held private in the story. I had a vague idea at the time what the significance was behind a spirit giving you their name. It took me a long while to understand just how powerful something as simple as a name could be for them. For those disbelievers, here's what I can literally see and feel from my dear old or from my dear friend. One evening I was meditating and asking him and only him to help me understand their world. We fondly call it practicing. Practicing involves a few different things. Something sometimes it involves me just sitting in the dark, opening eyes open and fear repressed. This evening it was exactly that. I sat in my bed with the meditation oil and started off into the stared off into the darkness. Then within only a few minutes, a beautiful small white ball seemed to float across the room and disappear. If you had seen it, there wouldn't be any doubt in your mind what it was. You just knew. He's been amazing since our first rocky weeks together. He plays games with me to help me clean my home. He'll find an object in the mess and will tell you and then will tell me to pick up all the shoes before he gives me a clue. I'll pick up the shoes. He'll then tell me to look or to do the laundry for a new one. I'll do the laundry and he'll say, the ring is. And you literally feel your hand shifting in that direction. And sure enough, I'll find the earring. He's unbelievable. If you haven't made contact yet, don't give up. That's a cool story. Um, I'll read a couple of them. Again, this all depends on your specific belief system, uh, what you would like to believe or not believe about this. Um, there are those that believe everything is real because nothing new under the sun exists. Um, so there are people that really do believe this. There are people that have had sightings with this. Um, me, I'm I'm pretty puzzled. Like, maybe. So maybe. I wouldn't be mad at it if it was real. Um, with all the stuff we don't understand about the spiritual world, why not? Why not? I don't know. 
I digress. I'll keep going with some more stories. All right. This next one. So recently I moved into a townhouse with one roommate and my dog in rural Missouri and was fully prepared for any sort of spiritual mishaps as I had recently moved from a demon and ghost rich area. Ooh, <laughs> wonder if the realtors put that on the brochure. <laughs> Reduced price, demon and ghost rich area. Okay, focus. Okay, before this, I only held a romantic wish that the Fae existed and believed that my connectedness when I walked through the woods as mere fancy and that I projected the sounds of the trees. My childhood was full of whimsies of fairy circles and the like, and that just carried over. But on with my current issue. The first few nights in our place, I felt fairly comfortable turning on or turning off the lights and going to sleep. But with increasing rapidity, I felt this ease slipping. Soon, I was walking into the, in the night to a door being flung open and the sound of feet pattering or the fleeting image of a humanoid creature about two and a half feet tall or so. This progressed until one night I thought I was having a dream conversation with a small creature, about two and a half feet or so, with long pointed ears, which pointed downwards a bit. He had a round head and brownish hair, wrinkled forehead, and slightly pointed long nose. A very dour fellow who wanted to make a deal with me. Even my dream self had the sense not to make a deal with him, perhaps something to do with my roommate. Eventually, I was fed up with the niceties and polite speeches and yelled at him. That's not how it works. He became angry and started opening and closing all the drawers in my room, pounding on my dog's cage and making a ruckus. When I woke up, I saw him crouching on my bed down at my thigh. My dog was locked in his kennel. I was frightened and tried to find a light, but the switch was suddenly almost impossible to find. I dismissed this all as my dream, and half-conscious state eventually went to sleep. I kept some sort of light on after that until one night when I went to sleep early, I woke up to see him in the corner between the ceiling and the walls looking rather irate. This frightened me and I turned off the lights and went down to sleep in our living room where the energy felt calm. I promptly heard feet running around in what seemed to be my room and clattering all the drawers and the like. So I originally kept the lights on at night. Then today I baked some lemon poppy seed muffins with glaze and left four out on with one leftover pumpkin cookie on our cafe-style tall kitchen table. Turned out the lights and went upstairs. My dog ventured between my room, my roommate's room, and the bottom of the stairs, and came up and was behaving oddly. So I went down to check on his water and food with my roommate. This is where I really began to believe. My roommate asked me, did you eat a muffin? And when I turned to look, three of the four muffins were gone. So I asked, did you eat three muffins? Did somebody walk in and steal our muffins? But she had locked the door. The next logical question was if our dog had eaten them. But we had not heard anything downstairs that would suggest that. And there was still one pristine untouched muffin and one cookie left. No crumbs, no dog hairs, no lick marks, no evidence. 
and the remaining muffin was in the middle of the plate, which my dog would have gone for before going for the furthest muffin. And knowing my dog, he would have eaten all the food on the plate and not left any. So either my dog is the most conniving creature ever, although he's not that clever, or we have some sort of housemate we don't know of. I think this sounds like a hobgoblin, brownie, house elf, etc. What do you think? All right. Next couple are really short. Here's an example of a wondrous occurrence from my records. December 20th, 1989, between 2.30 and 3.10 p.m. I'd fallen asleep in my bedroom around noon. I was awakened from my nap by a strong fluttering movement around my face. I could feel the air currents from their wings, beating as rapidly as the wings of hummingbirds. There were three of them. I was awake enough to realize that they were there with me. The sheets covering me was rippling like tiny waves because of the fast motion of their wings. They made in all a series of three fluttering passes across my face. Once or twice, one of them would come so close they would brush against my skin. I was drowsy but could see them clearly. Then suddenly, they were gone. I rose quickly and drew some illustrations so I wouldn't forget. Right. My daughter and I did our first dedication to the eighth united. To the eight united. While speaking the words, a little breeze would rise and a vine would bounce towards Ruby's head. After sending healing and strength energy, I saw the vine had entwined itself in her hair. It took some unwinding and made us laugh. Ooh. I'm glad it made them laugh. It was just scared the crap out of me. All right. About a week ago, I was walking with my dog and my dad. It was a peaceful night, and I was watching the grassy fields when I saw this little flame thing with a long flame trail going behind it. It was fairly slow, and then it just seemed to disappear. My dad didn't see it, though, and it didn't look like a firefly. Although I was looking through one of my fairy books, and it says this, Drakes are fire fairies that are smelled rather than seen. They give off the stench of rotten eggs and travel through the air as streaks of fire. Maybe I saw a drake, but I didn't smell anything. All right. This next one. Many moons ago, I was working with an Australian bush regeneration company in the wonderful wild woods of the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. It was a very pristine spot that had the old world feel. It's as if I could feel that slight unnerving feeling one gets when you are being watched. I don't know if I was the only one to feel this, but we continued working away, removing large woody weeds and replanting the bare ground with local natives. Anyhow, when we decided it was smoke time, we all sat in circle as we do and share a communal lunch. When a pixie insect Featured, featured like, hmm, there's a weird word in here. Like creature flitted through our circle all, and we all saw it as our reaction was one of stunned silence. It was never talked about again, and it made them uncomfortable, which is very sad in a way. 
for it was a wonderful blessing. My second encounter with the fairy folk was once I was hiking in the beautiful wild blue mountains, and this lady appeared to me out of thin air. She was wearing the most amazing dress I've ever seen, and the only way I could describe it is a light orange to crimson with flames wrapping around her. This is a very poor description, as it was literally so beautiful beyond words. She had a gentle, loving tone, and her voice was smooth as honey, and we chatted about two minutes about a local waterfall. I politely told her it was wonderful to meet her, and we exchanged glances and walked our separate ways. After a few steps away, I turned to ask her something, but she had disappeared within. She was what you call an elf, and maybe a modest wood maiden, perhaps even a dryad. I simply don't know who or what she was, but this encounter did brighten my life considerably. I feel in some way she had non-physically kissed me. As my life became very open to the fairy realm, as it is still to this day. Let's do two more. I've always been fascinated with fairies since I was young. Even though I would try and find fairy portals when I was a child, nothing manifested in my life. Leap forward to an adult. Interest changed though, and I'm still fascinated with the thought of fairies. I never tried to actually interact with fairies really, but imagine the possibilities. Just recently, I had an interesting experience, which I hope someone can relate or translate so I don't think I'm delirious. Otherwise, I'll just sum it up to some sort of illusion. One night, I was having trouble sleeping, and I'm lying in bed. I close my eyes, slipping between conscious and subconscious, though I do not recollect any visions. I suddenly awake to see a fairy from the back, as if she just crossed over my bed. I open my eyes to see her, in the two o'clock position in a pink outfit only to see her from the back as she fluttered towards my closet which was closed what the crap she had seen seemed to dispense something red and some glittery stuff until she passed into the closet door i'm really not a loon i don't take meds or drugs i'm clean and i tap into my spirituality along with other gifts i have I'm looking for a bona fide explanation from someone who has real experiences or have true faith in fairies, not from people who have researched such phenomenon who think they saw fairies. This is a different realm for me, so please someone of experience explain this in a, if this is a legitimate encounter because I couldn't sleep afterwards. Okay. The way he was describing the fairy was a little eh for me, but still... You know, I mean, I've had therapists say, like, between your waking and sleeping modes, um, you can have visual and auditory hallucinations. Um, but whether these things are spiritual or simply in that half-dream state, she said would really be up to the person. <clears throat> All right, this is a detailed description of a fairy woman and her baby who once visited me, who I know to show love and respect to. Please try to remain open and respect my beliefs. I'm 100% certain that I, what I saw was pure magic. She was the height of an unsharpened pencil. Her hair golden, curled, and as frizzy as ram's wool. 
that was just below that was just below shoulder length possessing highlights of pure silver and gold much like factory tinsel under the christmas tree lights soft and delicate features were sculpted upon her face blonde round eyebrows were set above gentle turquoise eyes that dreamily gazed downwards pink pursed lips were set in a into a soft smile bearing no teeth or bad intentions I noticed her flawless complexion glittered, as if she was covered in natural eyeshadow shimmer and bronzer. She was neither ghostly pale nor completely orange. Her skin tone appeared healthy and creamy. Layers of transparent material, finer than silk, glowed like thousand microscopic pieces of amber and gold. The dress was strapless and entwined around her tiny chest, revealing her curvy hourglass silhouette. Silhouette. With her mouse-like palm, she tenderly grasped her baby's hand, who joyfully toddled in front, smiling and laughing. I didn't know whether the baby was a girl or a boy, even though the baby wasn't wearing any clothing. The baby's belly was popped and fat, connecting to a pair of fleshy legs and arms. A huge smile would cause his eyes to twinkle and his cheeks to enlarge. He seemed to be full of love, magic, and life. I believe she was showing her baby what humans are. I hope she was using me as a good example. She seemed to be using glamour because she seemed too beautiful. All I could feel was love and comfort. I didn't feel anything negative or frightening. If she was using a glamour or enchantment spells, she only did it for good intentions. That is exactly what I saw, and nothing is over-exaggerated. Um... That one would be a little far-fetched for me to believe, but it's only because there were so many adjectives. <laughs> like, keep it simple. Like, you know, she was wearing a shiny dress. <laughs> the, the, you know, finer than silk glowed like thousand microscopic pieces of amber and gold. Hey, if that's what you saw, good for you. Like, for real. I'm not making fun of it. But that was a lot of scripting words. So good job on writing this. All right. All right, last one, and then we'll take a short break. There, was also, there has always seemed to be a sense of magic to our garden. I'm lucky to own five acres of land that, that own flower gardens, ponds, woods, and fields. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay. Red deer sometimes visit at the nighttime, and regular birds, butterflies, rabbits, squirrels, foxes, etc. It was a few days before Halloween when I had my first encounter, and what I believed were fae. I remember a bright full moon of white light that was beaming through my bedroom window. It was remarkably bright, and I was having trouble falling asleep. When I realized I hadn't even closed the blinds, I sleepily went to close them before I gazed upon a luminous garden lawn and flower beds. Suddenly I noticed four soft lights leading into the woods entrance. They were moving at such, as such, yet they grew brighter, even easier to see. The center light seemed to be the brightest. They were white, yellow, light pink, all of which were ordered in a small line. I wondered whether they were light reflections before I realized that reflection light isn't bright, glowing yellow, or pink. 
I also considered fireflies, yet they are not native here. I watched them for half an hour until I went to check the time and came back, finding them gone. The next day, I decided to go outside and visit the area. I saw mysteriously finding a fresh bunch of mushrooms where the lights had been. It finally clicked. Fairies. As I walked away and passed the Hawthorne Hedge, I swear I heard a playful voice whisper my name. Hmm. Very interesting. Alright. Um, those were some lighthearted descriptions. I'm sure we'll get into some malevolent ones here in a second. But let's take a short break. All right, jumping right into another story. <clears throat> this one is from Reddit. Um, it says, my roommate is into some weird fairy stuff. And these aren't the cute little human dragonflies with flower petals for clothes and sweet smiles. I don't know about you guys, but when I think of fairies, I'm picturing something like Tinkerbell. Yeah, I know, she's technically a pixie. That is not the crap my roommate is messing around with. I noticed she was weird when I moved in. She was advertising for a roommate on Craigslist, and she said she needed someone who was open-minded, who was all right with strange people coming and going at all hours, who wouldn't ask questions about things that didn't involve them, and who would be okay sharing a bathroom. Yeah, okay, not ideal, but I didn't need ideal. I needed livable. And honestly, I didn't really give a crap what she did in her spare time. Heck, she could have been cooking meth in her room. As long as she didn't get me involved in her drug deals, I wouldn't have given a crap. Turns out she wasn't dealing drugs unless she was sharing marijuana with her deadbeat friends or something. Instead, she was into the occult. Supernatural stuff. Conspiracy theories. She believes in anything and everything. And she's convinced she's seen Bigfoot. She was abducted by aliens when she was 10 years old. And she doesn't get vaccines because the government is using them to control people's minds. That kind of stuff. It's terrible for me to say that I kind of like her. I mean, let's make no mistakes here. She's messed up. But she's actually a really good roommate. Pays her bills on time. Cleans up after herself. Asks me before having her weird gatherings and rituals and stuff. Whenever she buys groceries, she grabs my favorite candy bar for me. At least she's she's very interesting. I'd rather sit and talk to her for an hour than listen to Nancy from work describe her latest MLM adventures. As we managed to live together for six months before her weirdness started to getting a little too close for comfort. What do I mean by that? Well, one morning I woke up to mold growing in a ring in our living room. Seriously, it was a huge ring. Our living room is actually pretty sizable, especially since she didn't believe in furniture, so it's practically empty except for her candles everywhere. It never bothered me since I don't use the common spaces much anyway, but mold growing in my apartment is definitely not okay. So I ask her, what the crap is this? She was sitting at the edge of it, a mountain of books next to her. I saw a few titles straight away. The Mists of the Fey Folk, Fairies and Other Creatures, The Magical Arts. 
in her hand was a book on botany, which was extremely peculiar in the moment and not so much in hindsight. It's a fairy ring. At least it will be, she said, a small frown on her petite lips as she poured over her book. I bit back the urge to scream. I don't know what a fairy ring is, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't belong in our living room. If you don't get it out of here, so help me God. She sighed and put her book down. I thought you'd say that. Reaching into the black messenger bag, backpack at her side and pulling out a small crumpled envelope. She always had that bag on her, and I often saw her pull out any number of weird things from it. So you can understand that I was a little hesitant to take the envelope from her. But I did, and opened it, and immediately my frayed nerves were soothed. $500 in cash will do that to a person. For the inconvenience, she said, going back to her book without a second glance. And if we get into trouble with the landlord, I'll pay any damages. I knew our landlord wouldn't bother coming around and checking. He doesn't give a crap what anybody did in those apartments anyway, so I was more than happy to let it slide, as long as that stuff didn't start growing in my room. I did wonder where she got all that money, though. She was never short on cash, even though she didn't have a job. At least, not that I could tell. Oh well. That night before I went to bed, I googled fairy rings. I only read about five minutes before I got bored and gave up. Do you know how much has been written on these things? Too much. Anyway, I figured out two very important things. First, many cultures believe that fairy rings are caused by fairies or pixies dancing in a circle. Second, mortals absolutely should not mess around with them. Now, I wasn't worried, nor did I believe in fairies, but I was also pretty sure you couldn't just grow your own fairy ring. I figured that she would lose interest in it after a few weeks, like she always did with her random obsessions. And then she'd get rid of it all and life would continue as normal. Before that had a chance to happen, however, the fairy ring grew. After a few days, it sprouted mushrooms. I kid you not, literal mushrooms were growing in my living room. She seemed overjoyed at this arrangement. I was pretty grossed out because our room was starting to smell damp and musty and just gross. And I really wanted to yank up that carpet and scrub all that nasty crap away, but I focused on the $500 I was getting for being cooperative and tried to will away my annoyance. Her excitement grew over the next few days until it spilled over into a few conversations we had. It's almost ready. They'll be here soon. I can feel it, she said one night when we were having a beer. She was sitting in the middle of the circle while I stayed far outside it. Not out of superstition, but because I wasn't going near that nasty thing. Are you sure that's how it works? I asked. My skepticism must have been obvious because her response was just on the side of indignant. I've done my research, Janice. It's like that movie, wasn't it? If you build it, they will come. Just like that, I made the ring. They won't be able to resist dancing on it. That's just how it works. I wasn't convinced, but why not? It's not real anyway, so who cares what she thinks? So what happens afterwards? She looked confused. After what? After the fairies show up. What happens? Do you talk to them, trap them, ask them to grant you a wish? What? She stared at me in utter bewilderment for a second, and then burst out into laughing. Oh wow, you're funny sometimes, she said. 
I chose not to press the point. Instead, I finished my beer and went to bed. Things played out about how I expected over the next week or so. She was obsessed with her fairy ring. I cycled between ignoring it and indulging her. Eventually, her interest started to wane. She began to turn her attention to other things. I noticed a few books on the Jersey Devil appearing around the apartment, so I figured that's what was going to plague my life next. I felt like I was living in some sort of sitcom. And then, three weeks ago, something different happened. I woke up about four in the morning, my sleep disturbed by a strange blue glow coming from under my door. I stumbled out of bed, rubbing the sleep from my eyes as I went in search of the light source. As soon as I entered the living room, I was almost blinded by the blue light assaulting my eyes. I swore to myself as I shielded my face, letting my eyes adjust. Eventually they did, and I was able to take in the terrible sight that awaited me. My roommate, naked, dancing on the fairy ring. Her body twisted and jerked, almost like she was being pulled along. She stumbled but didn't fall, going round and round so quickly it made me dizzy. I started to walk towards her, confused and somewhat unsettled. Was she on acid or something? I almost just went back to my room and pretended I hadn't seen anything. But then the blood caught my attention. It oozed from small cuts all over her body. A ring of blood was encrusted around her wrists. Slashes across her abdomen resulted in red rivulets tracing down her legs. Finally, I saw her face. Her face, or her eyes were fixated on me, and a shudder worked its way down my spine. Her face was twisted in agony, her mouth a grimace, her eyes red with tears. Snot was running out of her nose, and she was heaving for breath, and I was sure, so sure I saw her scream, except there was no sound. Nothing at all. I couldn't hear the, I, I couldn't hear the sound of cars passing by on the road outside, the sound of her feet on the carpet, the sound of her breathing. It was like I was trapped in a vacuum. But then it happened. I didn't really need to hear what she was screaming. I could read it on her lips, like the words had been printed there. Help me, help me, help me, help me. My body responded to her silent plea, and I lunged at her, hand outstretched, intent on wrenching, wrenching her from the circle. But then it happened. She disappeared, vanished in front of my eyes as though she had never been there. I tripped, fell to my knees just outside the ring of glowing blue mushrooms that dotted the floor. Slowly, before my eyes, the glow faded to nothing until I was alone in the dark. Just me, the silence, and the knowledge that my roommate was not coming back. I called the police, of course. That's what you do, right? I've never been in a situation quite like this before. I knew I couldn't tell them what I saw, so I just told them that when I woke up, she was gone, and that was rare for her, and that I was worried something had happened. They declared her missing. I steered clear of the living room. I wanted to get out of that place as fast as humanly possible, so I booked a hotel room until I managed to find another place. I didn't give a crap about breaking the lease or forfeiting the security deposit. I just wanted out. I got a place pretty quickly, a real dump of a studio of apartment, but it's affordable, and built my courage to go back to our apartment to pack up a few things and go. When I opened the door, no matter how long I live, I'll never forget this. When I opened the door, she was there, lying there in the middle of the fairy ring. The cuts had deepened into permanent grooves in her body. She was thinner than before, 
as though someone had sucked the flesh out of her, tightened her skin until it was tough and leathery. In fact, she almost looked like she'd been mummified. Her eyes were gone, her teeth were gone, her mouth was still gaping open, still screaming for someone to help her. And as I swear, as I stared at the body, I swear to God, I heard a faint giggle coming from somewhere in the apartment. I think I'm done with roommates for a while. Um, uh, that one sounds, that one sounds crazy, so, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I've heard you shouldn't mess around with the Fae, so, maybe this person did and shouldn't have, kind of thing, um, but I don't know, that sounds a bit far-fetched, <laughs> like, what would you do, call the call the police or the landlord <laughs> like look at this body <laughs> oh my gosh so i don't know i don't know about that one all right this one is called the fae have you ever heard of the fae my mother would always tell my brother and i stories about the fae before bed they weren't like they weren't the little mischievous wing things that you call fairies these fae were as tall as a man, and could easily be mistaken for one if you didn't look too closely. They didn't fly on wings, but they could float and ride the winds in forms of colorless, undetectable ether. They were mischievous, and their games were far darker sort than what you'd believe. They were child snatchers, terrible soul stealers who spirited the young to their land and left a perfect imitation in their place. These imitations were completely unaware of their true origins, and held all the memories and personalities of the original, but they were destined to die in a violent death within a year of their conception. My mother spoke of these things from experience. She had once had ten brothers and sisters, and now had none. One died of a lightning strike, two died in car accidents, the rest died of various illnesses and infections shortly after being stolen. She said that the Fae had tried to get her too, but she already knew how to spot and avoid them. She told us these facts. 1. Fae can change their shape to any human guise they want. They can look like anybody you know. However, they cannot take the shape of any other animal, nor can they appear to be a non-living object. The Fae cannot hide their real form in some aspects. They will wear long pants and large shoes, but will walk with a strange gait. This is to hide their double-jointed legs and strange feet, which are taloned like a bird's. Their teeth are as sharp as a shark's, and their eyes are always, always green. The Fae despise man-made objects, and generally avoid spending a long time in any unnatural structure. They can do it as long as they like but it will seem uncomfortable while they do. While they can phase through objects without much trouble, they cannot enter a locked man-made object without the permission of someone inside. Four, the Fae will do whatever they can to trick you. It's a game to them. They will play with your mind and they will kill you in the end. The only way you can survive is to trust no one, to keep to yourself until you are too old for them to take. She never told us how old that was exactly. My mother did not live 
very long. She was an alcoholic and disappeared one day without a trace. She wasn't found for week or she wasn't found for weeks until a body was dug out of the sewers. Eventually I discarded her strange, disturbing bedtime stories as the product of a diseased mind. It didn't really start until I was twelve years old. My brother ten, and we finally settled into a foster home about three years previous. We started to see things here and there, a green-eyed pale face in a crowd, a shark-toothed smile from a passing man, a strange figure shuffling awkwardly down the stairs. My brother and I never mentioned a thing to anybody but each other, but as the sightings got more and more common, we began to talk about what our mother had told us long ago. We kept a journal of the strange occurrences and which places were more infected than others. The school seemed to be safe. We had never seen a fae that looked younger than an adult. They kept showing up everywhere else, though. Neighbors with wide, sharp teeth winked at us as we left our house. The bus driver stretched his leg out in a way that normal man could not and shivered constantly while driving. What was happening? We had never noticed these things before. Was our mother right? Or was this possibly, I hate to consider, did we just get the same imbalance in our brains that caused us to see monsters where there were none? Boys, hush. <laughs> My dogs are growling at each other for dominance. Um, da -da -da. I began to lose sleep. Nightmares are of teeth tearing into my flesh, of a deadly cold filling in my body as my soul was thrown out onto the north wind, haunted me every time I closed my eyes. I always woke up in a cold sweat, and from the screaming coming from my brother's room, I guessed he was doing no better. Our foster parents began to get worried, and we wouldn't tell them anything. We couldn't. Whoever would believe us? When I was 13, I began to look on the internet for any evidence of the Fae. I kept telling myself that if these things actually existed, then someone else must have known about them. I decided that if I couldn't find anything after a month, I would immediately tell our foster parents about the occurrences and get checked in the nearest psychiatric ward. For weeks, I found nothing. But the old stories about the forest creatures and silly stri trickster spirits... But then a small beacon of hope appeared. A lonely chat room in some dark corner of the web. I quickly signed up and logged on. Hey, is anyone here? I saw the description. I need to talk. Hello? Hey, what's up? Sorry, I didn't hear the alert when you joined. You've seen them too? I sighed with relief and began to type quickly. My mom used to talk about these things all the time, and they've started showing up all over the place. They keep showing up in random places. Like, they don't even try to talk to us, but always show up wherever we are. It's like they're trying to psych us out or something. Yeah, I've heard of that. A bunch of people would come on here and talk about these weird sightings and then disappear for a while. I don't even own the chat room, but the owner went away forever ago. I was just the friend of a user on here. I never seen them myself. You need to watch out, though. If I were you, I'd get out of your house. If they know where you live, they're going to start moving in closer. I remember one girl told everyone that her mom was knocking on the door because she had forgotten her key or something. She never locked, 
logged back in. Then I saw her obituary a year later. Died in a car accident. Here's my phone number. Grab your brother and grab a phone and get out. I stared at the screen nervously. Run away? Our mom always said that the Fae couldn't get into a house without asking. And if we left, we'd be nowhere to, to hide for a while. Riley? Are you there? There was a knock on the door. I froze. Riley? Andrew? Are you there? Can you unlock the door? I'm locked out. I heard my brother reply, Coming, Mom. My breath caught in my throat as I ran to stop my brother from opening the door. He was so close. So close. I grabbed him painfully by the arm as he reached for the handle. He looked at me in shock. Before I could say anything, I whispered, That might not be our mom. His eyes widened, and I knew that he understood what I meant. I looked through the peephole and froze. A green-eyed face grinning wildly back at me, and a terrible laugh pierced my ears. Riley! It screamed my name in a mocking, sing-song voice that sounded nothing like my mother. Andrew! I could hear something clawing at the base of the door, something sharp, small, like talons. The laughing started again, and this time louder than before. Little kid, little kid, let me in. I ran back upstairs to the computer, hoping against hope that my newfound friend knew some way to kill these, these monsters. An idea hit me. I quickly grabbed my phone and dialed the number he had given me. The voice at the door then stopped a few seconds ago. The creature outside, content with moving around the house and rattling the windows, my brother and I quickly hid in the bathroom, where it couldn't, wouldn't be able to see us. Hello? A man answered the phone. It's me, from, from the chat. You were right, there's a thing at my door, and it keeps circling my house and banging on the walls. More voices sounded from outside, each one of them unnaturally high than the last. There are more of them. Please help us, I don't know what to do. <sighs> Crap. I heard him curse to himself for a minute, then he paused. Hey, the number you called me from? We have the same area code. Where do you live? I told him my address, and I heard a note of hope enter his voice. Okay, hold on. One of the members talked about a way to kill the Fae. They hate man-made things, right? That's because they don't like metal, especially iron. He said that he had killed one by shoving an iron pole through its head before... It turned into ether. That's it. I started getting paranoid. Started learning how to forge. Started making weapons out of iron. I'm coming down there. I'm going to get get you out of there, kid, no matter what. Once I get in your house, we can start attacking them from the inside. I began to get excited and quickly told my brother what the plan was. The man, man sounded excited as I was. All right, kid, I'm gathering up the weapons as we speak. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I am. Just get over here as soon as you can. Suddenly I paused. Wait, how are you going to get in? Crap, you're right. I'll have to start attacking them from the outside, and you'll have to let me in as soon as possible. I'll run up to your door, and you'll have to unlock it, open it, and then lock it as soon as possible. Do you understand? Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. I'll let you in as soon as you get there. I wish that I could say he made it here. I wish that I could say he fought his way in and we stopped the monsters together. Is that the ending you'd like? A nice, happy ending where we managed to drive away these horrible creatures? 
I wish I could say things ended well, but as soon as I said the last sentence, the call disconnected. We waited in silence for a few minutes before my phone rang again. I picked it up, pressed the accept call button, and my door burst open at the same moment, kicked open by a clawed, green-eyed figure holding a phone in his hand. Fold you. Uh... Yeah, I'd say this is not a real story. <laughs> but a nice creepy tale, so still thanks. <laughs> I like people that can uh, capture my attention as well. All right. Uh, all right. There is one story that I have heard. Um, again, don't know if it's true, but I will tell it to you now. So, whenever I was looking into the folklore of the Fae, which I gotta say, was fascinating. The main consistent theme throughout was that you do not play with, or disrespect, or whatever have you, uh, with the Fae. Um, you're supposed to, like, bring them gifts, you're supposed to respect nature... You're supposed to do all of these things to kind of honor and respect the Fae. The Fae is kind of synonymous with nature. Um, think nature with teeth. <laughs> but I digress. All right. So the story starts with this man who's telling the story. Um, he talks about how his upbringing and everything... Um, he was very versed in the old ways from his family line. Um, his family were druids, even modern-day druids. Um, so they still know the old ways and the ways of the Fae. Um, and he was always known, you know, around as like a healer or like someone that helps. So he lives in a normal neighborhood and everything, and he... Um, gets woken up one day uh because you know there's a commotion outside and he goes out there and the neighbor's dog has viciously you know bitten one of the kids in the neighborhood and so everybody's around being like mad like you have to leash this dog and the owner wasn't having any of it like you know it's your kid's fault they shouldn't be coming over here all this kind of stuff um so basically, one of those things that you typically see um, in there, except that the dog, this wasn't the first time he had bitten a child. Um, so several, you know, prominent members of that little community were like, hey, you really need to put a leash on that or it's going to get removed. And he still didn't listen. Um, the druid himself, you know, even being out there warned him like, you need to, for the safety of everyone, you need to keep that dog contained, you know, um, with a leash or it's already bitten like two or three kids. Like this can't keep happening. And you know, the guy cursed at him, like whatever. Okay. No harm, no foul. Well, that was until this three-year-old kid, um, got viciously attacked and taken to the hospital um, because it was so 
severe. Um, and the dog ran off, so they couldn't catch it. Um, but basically, it came back home to its neighbor, you know. And they're all yelling at the neighbor, and the neighbor's all yelling back, like, it's not my problem, sorry. Like, not my problem. So, this kid is fighting for his life because he was viciously mauled by this dog. And that's whenever some of the members of his community that knew who he was asked for his help, the druids. Um, he was reluctant to agree, but eventually, because it was a three-year-old child, something precious that was, you know, possibly going to lose his life over this, he figured he needed to intervene. So using the old ways that he was taught, and he went into the forest, deep into the forest where he could be alone, he made a small fire. He had offerings of milk and cake and sweet things laid around the fire. Um, and then he started invoking all of these ancient commands between humans and fae. All of a sudden, in the darkness, he starts hearing and seeing. He sees eyes first. Like, many, many different woodland creatures are now starting to gather just out of the light of the fire, just in the darkness. And then he hears the growling and the snapping. And as this whole congregation of fae are now gathered around the fire in the darkness. So he says... Um, you know, I am son of blah, 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 the line, blah, 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 you know, and he's saying like, I'm allowed to call you, you know, like command you to come and hear my plea. Um, and the leader from the Fae, you know, kind of growls back, like, how dare you? Like, tell us your request. Like, if it's not good enough, um, you'll meet your fate just for summoning us. Like, how dare you, you know? And so the druid tells them about the, you know, the guy with the dog. How he hasn't put it on a leash, even though it's already bitten several kids. And now a three-year-old is fighting for his life and might, you know, die because of this, you know, stubborn owner and his vicious dog. The Fae, while hearing the story of the three-year-old, as you'll remember, Fae, children are very precious to the Fae. They were growling and everything, hearing upon this tale of just the insensitivity of the owner to what his dog was doing. And that a poor three-year-old kid might lose his life because of it. So they're all growling, and finally the leader stops them, and he goes, like, consider it done. This was acceptable. Like, we'll take care of it. And before the druid could say anything else, they were gone. So he's exhausted, having stayed up all night for this ritual. He's coming back home, 
when he sees an ambulance and some police cars around his neighbor's house. And he also sees big, like, drag marks of blood on the pavement. So he's thinking somebody hit a deer or hit somebody something. But then the neighbors that were gathered around um, kind of were putting together the story. Um, the cops were getting the guy from his house, and he was, like, raving mad saying, they're everywhere, they're gonna get me, they got my dog. And the owners said that some sick, twisted person, they assume it was a person because nobody saw, ripped that dog to shreds and then went after the owner. And the owner had cuts and bruises all over like he had taken a beating. Um, and so the cops were like helping him over to the ambulance and going to take him in for questioning and all this kind of stuff, because that can't just happen and not be answered. <laughs> like what just happened to your dog kind of thing. And in the, you know, it's barely full morning. He looks over to the woods and he sees like just barely the eyes and hears just barely the growls. So they took care of it that same night, just like they said. Um, he said when he went and visited the kid in the hospital and told his parents, like, everything's going to be okay. I took care of it. They thanked him because they kind of knew in that neighborhood about him. Um, and they thanked him and everything. And as they were, like, you know, not talking to him and he was about to leave, he looks over and sees the fading mist of something that was standing there and believed it to be the leader of the Fae that he had spoken with that night. Oh, that had, uh, you know, killed the dog and uh, ripped it to shreds and beat up the owner, you know? So, I mean, if that happened to me, I don't think... I don't think I would trust anything. I would need a padded room is what I would need for sure. Um, but it probably taught him a lesson not to get another dog. If you don't know how to raise it. But yeah. Um, a lot of the stories that we see on the internet are all about like don't play with this stuff. Like don't go messing around with the fae. Like they can get offended very easily and like everywhere that you look up and research these stories there's always some darker ones like i know i've read you guys some lighter ones some ones that are like yeah that's obviously somebody made that up for kicks and they're a good writer <laughs> with their 50 million descriptors but i digress like <laughs> some of them are very much um you don't mess around with the fey it's common knowledge all right, let's take a short break and get right back to something else you don't really mess around with. All right, welcome back. So I was also reading an article where several women uh, were featured in this Vice article about, you know, having dealt with the Fae and, like, seeing them and stuff like that. Um... A lot of them report them being unfriendly and downright hostile. Um, 
arrange from domestic violence rather than regular fairy mischief and stuff like that. Um, a lot of it can be traced back to trying to keep the children safe. Like, don't go play by the well that I mentioned last one. Um, for instance, a middle-aged woman watched a fairy hunt children down by the river. The implication was that the fairy wanted to drown the children. It's said that this has always been a feature of fairy sightings. Fairies are not all sweetness and light. They have a nasty and cruel side in all historical accounts. So there's a lot, um, like a lot <laughs> of stories about, you know, fairies drowning people and eating people and stuff like that. And like, really like how, what's there to believe, you know, like, I don't know. In old folklore, you know, if your baby was really sick and colicky all of a sudden, it was obvious that the fairies had taken your baby and replaced it with a changeling. And either you would consult a witch to get your baby back, or you would do what most people did in those days, and that was take the sick and colicky baby to the forest um, and leave it there. Like, we called your bluff. Take take your changeling back and give us back our child. Um, and, you know, the baby would cry in the forest, you know, and so the fairies would come and get it. I think that's really, like, not crazy. Because people believe stuff for a reason sometimes. But. I'd like to know any of those people that got their baby back after doing that. And after so many no babies returning. You know, like, was it just common knowledge that, like, oh, it was a changeling, that baby was already gone. You know, instead of just like leaving their sick kid in the woods. I don't know. It's messed up. So, while I do think it's fascinating, there is a dark side to this stuff um, about the Fae. I think it's fascinating in the, in the fact that like, you know, the wonder, like a walking stick. It looked like a stick, but it's actually alive, you know? kind of the same concept like it's like the hidden in plain sight kind of things it would be cool if they were real but I digress we have been going for a while tonight so I will get right into some Ouija board stories and we might put some more in a later episode but we'll get to those because I said in the beginning we were going to get to them. And then that'll be it. Alright. Another thing you should not be playing around with. The Ouija board. This comes from CafeMom.com. Creepy coincidence. My sisters and I messed around with a Ouija board a few times when we were teenagers. Every time we use the board, we seem to communicate with the same spirit named Ed, who constantly threatened our younger brother during the sessions. Even though our younger brother, who was four or five at the time, was nowhere near us, 
It scared us so much, we threw out the board. We never mentioned a word of it to our brother. A few years later, our brother brought home a friend's Ouija board. After he and a friend used the board a few times, he told us he was a little freaked out because a spirit named Ed kept threatening him. What? Our mother banned Ouija boards from our house after that incident. That was from Tammy from Holly Springs, North Carolina. Knowing what no, el no one else could. My brother is adopted from South Africa. The hospital intake examination found him to be a newborn, so his official birthday is March 27, 2001, the day someone found him and brought him to a hospital. That's what on all his records, South African and American, and that's what the day that we celebrate. But it's entirely possible that he could have been a day or two, even two days old when he was found. So anyway, it's me and six other girls, and we're doing silly teenage girl things with a Ouija board. I thought it would be cool to ask what my brother's real birthday is, and to make sure the results weren't skewed. I took my hands off the planchette and stepped away from the board and had the other girls ask, what's Caroline's brother's birthday? They knew my brother was adopted, but they didn't know the whole backstory about his birth date being somewhat fuzzy, and there's no way they could have known what he was, that he was brought to the hospital on March 27, 2001. Their fingers were on the planchette, and it moved to the numbers 326-2001, March 26, 2001. It was completely plausible that he was born on the 26th and found on the 27th. I still kind of get weirded out when I think about that. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but it's weird that the possible exact date of birth of a newborn, of a baby born in South Africa and adopted by a family that lived in D.C. showed up on a Ouija board at summer camp in New Hampshire. That one came from Reddit. Ghosts of Confederate Soldiers. My best friend and I tried the new board out I brought home, brought on our college quad. It was an old southern school that got torched in the Civil War. And sure enough, we spoke to two men who claimed to be soldiers. It may have just been our subconscious guiding us to see them, but when I asked if they were Union soldiers, the planchette whipped to know so fast it almost made my fingers fly off, which made us laugh. You guys be playing with stuff. <laughs> Falling plant and handprints. When I was in college, our group of friends and I were playing with a Ouija board in our dorm room and asked the spirit to give us a sign that it was in the room. A plant was hanging over the window, crashed onto the floor, and handprints were smudged on the blind. It's from Jessica, Columbus, Nebraska. Moving skulls. My finance... My my finance. My fiance at the time and I were sitting on my bed with an old board that a friend found on the side of the road. We asked who was with us and it said Mo. And I asked, Are you a demon, a spirit, or an angel? He said, Demon by your creation. We were a bit freaked out, but we kept going. We asked more simple questions like how many are with you? And he replies, Seven. What is your favorite poster that I have? It replied, bloody mess. I pointed at a kiss photo I had of Gene Simmons with his tongue out while blood was everywhere, in and around his mouth. This one? 
and it replied yes. After a few more questions, I asked him to move my skeleton heads on my TV because we wanted to know if this was fake or not. Mo replied, close your eyes. And after a few seconds, went by all of my skeleton heads that were facing us. We were the only two in the room at the time and while sitting close to one another. And all of the skeleton heads were moved. Mmm, freaky. Uh, working on its own. When I was about 16, I found an old school Ouija at a thrift store. It was made of real wood, not paper like they are now. It was thin, but still wood. Balsa, I think. I was intrigued with it, so I took it home. Me and a gal pal were playing with it, but nothing was happening, so we gave up. Left it on the bed and went out for snacks. There was no window open, no random draft, no AC on at the time. No fan, nothing that could have caused it. But when we came back with snacks and pop, the board was working on its own. The planchette was moving all over the board, and the word it was spelling out was foul. For a minute, we just stood there watching it spelling out that word several times. Then my friend scooped it up and broke it, and we covered it with salt. It got got rid of it in a safe place. Oof. Blown Transformer. While playing with the Ouija board on Halloween, my friends and I asked the spirit to give us a sign, and a transformer blew on the telephone pole in the backyard and knocked out the power. It's from Jessica. Late Aunt's Name. Many years ago, when I was in sixth grade, our class did a unit on ESP and related phenomenons. Two friends and I started playing with my sister's Ouija board. We seemed to contact a spirit, asked questions, got answers. We also got a first name. Turns out one of the participating dead friends, or participating friends, had an aunt with the same name who was dead. When we were using the Ouija board, the two people at the board had their eyes closed. The third person was writing responses. All right. A friend of mine brought a Ouija board over to a sleep party, a sleepover, <laughs> a sleep party, and I had never played with one, so I was really excited to try it. My two friends eventually got bored of it as the night wore on, so I wanted to ask one last question. I asked the board, do you have any questions for us? It answered yes. I asked, what's your name? It answered Abe, and my friend's and I immediately joked that it was Abraham Lincoln. I asked, who do you want to talk to? And it answered Erica. Erica is my mother's name. But she was downstairs and completely not involved in this game. <laughs> I asked, what do you want to say to her? And it answered, wish I knew her. That was so incredibly specific, I couldn't imagine what it meant. I ran downstairs to find my mom and asked her if she knew anyone named Abe. And she said, yes, her grandfather was named Abe, but he died before she was born. I didn't know my great-grandfather's name, and my friends certainly didn't. And that's Sarah from Massapequa, New York. <sighs> Princess Diana prediction. I messed around with a Ouija board in pairs and solo for a period of about two years, experiencing a lot of strange crap. Now my craziest story, swear it is true. It happened in 1997. One day, I challenged the board and said, 
give me something independent to verify all the information you're giving me. Predict a news event. Tell me something that is going to happen. It started moving strange, like it was having a hard time telling me something. I'm paraphrasing here since it was a long time ago, but the exchange went something like this. D-I-D-I-E, D-I-D-I-E, so it was die, 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 and it just kept on repeating the same D-I-D-I-E. I'm like, whoa, something nasty here, Tell, telling me to die. Um, Princess Diana at the time, Princess Di, was young, vital, so of course I'm skeptical. Oh yeah, she, sure, she dies. How does this happen? The planchette spells out car accident. Yeah, right, like a princess could get killed in a car accident. Where's the car accident? Spells out Paris. Yeah, right, what's gonna happen to the, or what's the princess of Wales doing in Paris? You know, it's like, this is false. Okay, so when is this going to happen? Ohio. It spelled out Ohio. I had a trip to Ohio planned in the coming weeks. So sure, whatever princess die will die in a car crash in Paris while I am in Ohio. Yeah, right. I got to Ohio. Nothing happens. I forget about it. Just one of those weird Ouija sessions that happens every once in a while. Months or so later, I'm in Ohio again. And I come out of the living room and everyone is watching the TV, glued to a news report. What? I asked. Princess Di has been killed in an accident. I was stunned. Stern warning. A few years ago, my friends decided to try this out with a group of guys. We were in the 12th grade at the time. My group of girls had messed around with a Ouija board before to varying degrees of success. Well, this time, it was my hands on the planchette with my other girlfriend. This thing was moving crazy fast, faster than I've ever seen, and seemed to be quite agitated by the group of guys we were with, who were joking around, not taking it seriously. It essentially told them to shut up and stop talking. I told the guys, seriously, please stop being rude. I'm kind of freaked out. Because I was getting nervous, one of the guys took over. He was a bit more serious about it. Almost immediately... The thing spelled out, don't open the door. Well, we were all in the basement, and there was only one door, so we all kind of looked over to it nervously. Because I was getting anxious, I took the blanket and kind of hid my face. Immedi immediately, it spelled out, don't hide from me. Everyone was freaked out. The guy who had his hands on the planchette literally started to cry. We wanted to take his hand. He wanted to take his hands off, but we have a rule that you don't take your hands off until you get it to say goodbye. Everyone wanted to stop and it looked about 10 it took about 10 minutes of asking dumb questions until the thing finally slid to goodbye. Some of the guys speculated afterwards that it it meant don't open the metaphorical door to the spirit world. The reason being is we told them to never ask for a sign or else it kind of lets the spirits roam free outside of the board. Before that, the guy took a, before that guy took over, they kept asking for a sign, only for me to cut them off mid-sentence and tell them to knock it off. So this made some sense.
Ooh, that one was freaky. The next one, I'm from Edinburgh, and it's famous for its underground haunted city. I, along with a, f a friend, spent the night down there. Creepy as all get out. One of the activities we did was a Ouija board. Myself and my friends sat down to play, and all was going well. The usual describing who was here, apparently haunting the place, etc. This continued for about half an hour when I kindly asked the board if I could leave. I was granted a yes. Around 10 minutes after me, my friend asked to leave and was promptly told no. This entity would just not let her leave. The movements of the board got faster, erratic, and the temperature in the room plummeted. Only when several people in the room started crying did the entity let everyone leave. One of the most bizarre and scariest things I've ever witnessed. Safe to say, I've never gone near one since. Flash of Light I made a Ouija when I was in middle school. It was made of wood from one of the trees in my backyard. The planchette was a glass half circle that my grandmother gave us. We set up in the living room at midnight with only light being candles. My best friend and I asked if anyone was speaking to us. The answer was yes. I asked how many ghosts were present, and the answer was seven. My cat came up to us at that point. He stopped just beyond where we were sitting. He looked around, slowly weaved his way past us as if stepping around people. Then the planchette quickly dragged our hands out to spell, happy to talk. As soon as that sentence was spelled out, a blinding streak of light that looked like a shooting star flashed from one side of my living room to the other. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It lit up my living room with an intense silvery light. Knowing never used names. So probably be our last one of the night. I have a creepy a really creepy story about playing with a homemade Ouija board with my sister. So basically what happened was that we asked the names of the spirits and whatever or whatever that they were supposedly communicating with. And it gave us names like Aiden and Hannah. Now those aren't aren't the name of either of us, so I found out later that if I had been born a girl, my name would have been Hannah, and my sister had been born a boy, her name would have been Aiden, which neither of us knew at the time. I don't know if that's just some crazy coincidence or something actually paranormal, but it's crazy either way. All right, so that will wrap it up today. Um, best word of advice <laughs> you break that ouija board out i'm going home <laughs> like it's also known as a spirit board i would not recommend anyone play with it um you're basically opening it up um this is like out of fantasy land like back into real talk you're basically opening yourself up as a door to whatever and you don't know what you're messing with so it seems like a game, but there's been lots of stories of, like, these things having things attached to them and uh, having being haunted after using these or all this kind of stuff, like opening a gateway and not knowing how to shut it. There's a lot of rules, uh, so you, you just shouldn't be playing with it, some stuff you don't know about. Um, but that will end us tonight. Um, yeah, thank you everyone that has joined the Facebook group, Paranormal Stories, Spooky Shiz in parentheses on Facebook. 
Um, we're up to 118, I think. Yeah, we're pushing 120. So that's still pretty impressive. I'm I'm so thankful for each and every one of you guys. Um, whether you listen to the podcast or not, um, you guys have been active on the page, sharing some spooky memes and some spooky stories. Uh, definitely encourage any and all of that to continue. Um, you guys are great. So thank you to each and every one of you who listened. Um, and I will see you guys at the end of this week. Stay spooky, my friends. Bye-bye.